Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning. Today's a great day for multiple reasons. I'm 36 today, but it's also a great day. Yeah, what's up? I figured it can stop. Uh, it's like, you might, it's, it's always interesting because when it's your birthday, it's like, why didn't you tell me? Well, dude, who walks around and just tells everyone it's their birthday? And then, so I could just tell you, and then that way we're, okay, let's move on to what God wants to do today. God wants to impact us in a powerful way and show us more of his character and his nature personally for you. So this isn't just something today that it's about, hey, us up on stage, you sitting there. This is fully real and fully present that God is alive right where you're at for you. He's right there where you are at for you. He's intimately involved in your thought process. He wants to tweak and calibrate you with his love. Love is spelled T-I-M-E, and he's so excited to spend some time with you this morning. We got three videos of people that are in city life that are inspiring that work, that work unto God, that believe work is good. We've been looking at how God created work. He created us to work. Work is good unto Him. Work can be painful, but the pain points us to Him. And then we're gonna talk about the rhythm of rest, building that into the sequence and the pattern in our days, in our weeks, in our lives, in our months, and in our years, and what that looks like with Sabbath, what that looks like to have a rhythm and a doctrine and understanding of what rest is. So we're gonna watch three stories. We're gonna watch Carlos, and we're gonna watch Trina and Jorge, and I'm not sure what order specifically. So check these uh, videos out. Being a single parent at 15 years old, many thought I'd be a statistic. With the help and prayers of good parents, I vowed to myself that I would work hard and raise my kids strong. That is what happened, by God's grace. I have been able to obtain a master's degree, raise my family with God's lead, raise foster kids, and help with grandkids. It's truly amazing. Now I get to work in the Lansing Inner City Schools. I am often the one showing the kids tough love. I sometimes put up a mean front, but I have a soft side to me. It's all worth it to see the kids do better in school and life. My name is Trina, and I believe work is good. I've been working at Meyer for over 25 years, and I've learned so many things from so many different people about myself and about them. Myers has been nothing but a blessing to me in my life. I get to learn from other people, interact with my coworkers, pray while I'm working, give God praise. I've had so many amazing conversations with so many people. There are so many different kind of people walking around in Meyer from all kinds of different countries. It's pretty awesome. My name is Jorge, and I believe work is good. Delivering mail to some could seem tedious, and don't get me wrong, I've had my days. But overall, I have seen God impact my life and others through my job. Simply learning names, walking and driving in the city, and getting to pray to myself. People coming to talk to me has all helped me grow as a person. It's a joy to be used by God, to help deliver people's most precious items. It's a practical way to love the city, and is a joy. My name is Carlos, and I believe work is good. Yes, that's so fun. Oh, I love it, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to look at our life different. It's been so cool getting to 
hang out with some of the people um, throughout the weeks and talk to some of you and hear some feedback of just how this is impacting you. This has been impacting me. And I think this isn't something that we put on the shelf. This is actually something that we're going to revisit. This is a doctrine that carries out. So that's a, a belief and an understanding of how God views something that we keep, that we grow in, that we're going to continue to live. Because it's not like when this series ends, your job is going to end. You're going to continue to work. And it's where you're going to spend the bulk of your time. A lot of us, we don't want to spend the bulk of our time there. But last week, we talked about the purpose in that. The purpose in that is that if we really, really, our jobs were so easy and it was so amazing that every second we never felt pain, we would build a kingdom that we wouldn't need God present. And then we would start to become our own gods. So God saw that through our disobedience as we sinned, and we disobeyed him and said, God, we don't need you for a moment. We're starting to look here. We're starting to look at what you created and we're negotiating. We're negotiating in the garden. Then we bite from the tree, right? Our first ancestor, Adam. And then and now, as you see the effects of that, God curses the land. And so there'll be pain in our work, but the pain points us back to him. So it's really a beautiful love story from the garden to a city that one day we're gonna be in a city we're going to rule and reign with God and each one of us have royal DNA in us and that we are made in the image of God, image bearers of God and that when we work, we're reflecting the nature of God that God works. And when we're enduring through the pain and work and the frustrations and work, we can model Christ in our work. And so we can start to reshift our thinking as we can reflect Christ. Today we're going to shift some gears and a gear that is so real to me um, not because I'm like prolific at it, but because I'm, I'm fully trying to exercise this more and more and more. And it's the tension of work and rest. And what does rest look like? Right after we launched City Life, it was an amazing epic Sunday on September 13th, 2015. And it was one of those legendary ones that's a chapter in a book. When you read the book and you're just like, oh, wow, like that's a chapter in a book. And so outside, there's grilling going on, there's bounce houses for the kids, the radio station's here, there's b-boy break dancers, there's people, you know, interacting, meeting each other for the first time. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, but the next day, like, it didn't feel like a beautiful thing. It was like, oh, what happened? What am I doing? Why am I feeling so discouraged, feeling like a failure? Like, I woke up feeling like this big, and I'm already little, and so I felt even smaller. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no, but I was really discouraged. And not discouraged by the result. Not like, I was just discouraged. It was, I couldn't put my finger on it. When you can't put your finger on something, when there's confusing thoughts in your mind, that's a, probably a good time that you know that you can point to where it's coming from, which is the dark side, and you got to lean into Christ. So I call Pastor Brad out in Philadelphia, City Life Philly, and he's like, hey man, you're experiencing just 101 textbook. Do you know about Elijah in 1 Kings 18, that he stands up in the midst of all these false gods, and God proves himself real and destroys all the gods of Baal, and, and it's this epic victory. And then in chapter 19, Jezebel sends a prophet that's gonna like that all telling him that these gods are gonna come and I'll read it to you in 1 Kings 19 it says this and Jezebel told all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword so God shows up in a powerful way for Elijah 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me more also. And if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, then he was afraid. And he arose and he ran and left and became and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. So the previous chapter, he has this epic victory. And then the next chapter, he faces some adversity and then he's asking that he would die. Has that ever happened to you? Like you have this great moment and then the next day you're asking, what is going on? I would just rather die. And we say and we think the stupidest things sometimes. And it can be as simple as the antidote of this. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water and he ate and drank and lay down again and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him arise and eat for the journey is too great for you and he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb the mount of God what was the antidote the solution come on was it prayer what happened he slept and he ate there's a book called leading on empty and this is what happens when we work too hard. We have, we're, we're uh, human beings that have uh, made up of different chemicals. So we have adrenaline, we have dopamine, serotonin levels, and it's what keeps us healthy. And when it's out of whack, that's why sometimes we feel super stressed out. And we're, we're thinking we need God to show up in a divine intervention. And many times God is like, I've already shown up to you. Will you just receive what I've already done? The fullness is in Christ. And sometimes it manifests itself as simple as sleeping and resting. And Pastor Brad told me when I called him, he led me to that chapter and he prayed for me and he said, man, just go do something awesome today and just go do whatever you think would fill you up and just go sleep, go eat and have fun. And I'll tell you what, it was so beautiful how the reset just happened just from eating and sleeping because once the adrenaline was gone from launch, the right chemicals weren't there to replace and replenish so fast, I needed to create a buffer. And it wasn't that we did something wrong. It wasn't that we are a failure. We just needed simple rest. And sometimes rest is so hard to take because you can feel guilty because somebody else is looking at you and they define rest one way. So someone defines rest for you and they actually have a picture of what rest should look like for you. Or let's say they're not resting that day. So they just throw in like the little thing like, must be nice, must be like, dude, I just worked like 62 hours. That must be nice. You know, it doesn't matter, right? And so you're constantly playing this comparison game. Don't do it. Don't do it. God has a customization plan for each one of us of what that looks like and how that lives out. We go in Genesis. We've been in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, looking at the story of creation, what that means like for us applying to work, and then looking at the fall and the effects of sin. And one of the things that we didn't brush over, but we saved because it's very important. When God created us, he said, it is be blessed and be fruitful and multiply. And there's another thing that he says is blessed. Genesis 2, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. I don't know where you're at with God, but just entertain this thought for a minute. Most of us believe in God, that's why we're here. But if you're just wondering, is God real? 
God being God would mean that he's better than you and me, like he's more prolific and proficient at creating things. So if he's resting, we need to take notice. We need to take notice. Verse three. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Wow. God rests. Rest is a really, really, really big deal to God. In Exodus, after God takes his people out of slavery from Egypt, from oppression, from working too hard and too long. And this is the narrative of all of scripture that you and I are slaves to sin, that Jesus has set us free, and that now we're sons and daughters again, heirs in the right place, right standing with God as we were in the very beginning and as we will be for eternally in the very end. And so the children of Israel is so important to our lives because we see the exact replication in the pattern in our lives that we're in the bondage of sin. We need freedom from it. We need to get away. We need to exit. And that God has taken us to a promised land. And a lot of times in between that gap, we're wandering, we're complaining. And he institutes something right here in Exodus 31. And then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. There will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Right there, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it to be put to death. Like people are dying for not taking a day off work. That's a little different than our culture, wouldn't you say? I mean, right? Wouldn't you? I mean, people get celebrated if you work extra hard here. In fact, that is amazing if you're the seven-day-a-week employee. You might actually get advanced. Well, back when the children of Israel have fleed this place, they needed to observe the Sabbath, and God is constant. He's, put, he's putting his foot down and saying, here's how much I believe in this. You'll be put to death. So is that the nature of God to put us to death? Those who do not do any work those who do any work on that day must be cut off from all their people. For six days, work is to be done. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest and holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant, contract, covenant, agreement. It will be a sign, an irrevocable agreement. So you have the old covenant, this old contract, and then you have the new covenant, which is Jesus shows up on the scene, the better one to come, the fullness of one. So the law and these things that God's instituting us is pointing us to a savior, pointing us to redemption, pointing us to who Jesus is. And he's already won the victory. So every single one of us rest in that victory today. Every one of us. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. So here's Here's the point of it. It'll be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, referencing Genesis. And on the seventh day, he rested, check this, and was refreshed. He's not trying to kill people. He's trying to, okay, I got to correct here. I got to correct because my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. My purposes are higher. And you're not listening. Listen. Listen. When children aren't listening, you sometimes you got to elevate. I got certain kids I can talk to real gentle, and others I got to be like, hey, right? You got to get their attention. 
I don't know which one are you. You're like, oh, the whisper. But some of you in the room, it's like God's like, hey, right? Like you need to take a day off. That's what he's saying to people here. You got to take a day off. In Exodus 16, he'd already told them that he would provide for them. Manna raining from heaven. Food is raining from heaven. And he's providing for them. And he gives them very strict orders. And on the seventh day, he tells them what to do. And they still disobey it. Because that's the nature of us, is to hold on, to try to preserve, and try to be God. Try to be God. God cares about rest because he wants to take us out of slavery. And the struggle is real. Because personally, I actually really like what I do. I remember what it's like sometimes to really not like what you do, whether it was shingling or one time I did community service at the animal shelter. Like that was, that was like up there for the worst ever. I don't know what your worst ever jobs are. Don't worry, it wasn't any time recent. The God, (laughs) someone's happy about that. Oh, don't worry, I've probably done something wrong even today thinking maybe. Okay, so check it out. When we don't rest, we develop a God complex. We are made in the image of God, but we are not God. And we start to think that our identity is found in our work. That power comes from a title. That power is something that can be flashed at people, but it's actually something that needs to be used for good to create delightful benefit for the world. That it's not about production, it's about reflection. It's about looking and saying, this is good because it's God's. That God's using my small little piece in the puzzle, that God's gonna do something with my life and that God is using this in his great grand scheme and it may be just sweeping floors, but you know what, I'm doing it unto God and I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna remember that Jesus has set me free and that's what happens when we rest because there's an equation that if we believe it like this, then we'll be in trouble. And it says that happiness is based upon what we thought our expectation was versus reality. And wherever that gap is, there's the frustration. So if you have an expectation and then your reality is here, that gap is where your level of happiness is to be experienced. There's been studies on it. That's why people aren't happy because for most of us, our expectation level is very high compared to what we see on a day-to-day basis. Because our metric is wrong. Our metric is using it based upon what's happening, not based upon who we are. And whose we are is who we are. It's where we get our worth and our identity, that we are found in Christ, that we scored his victory, that when we lose, we can still win, that when we don't get the pay raise we wanted, when we don't get the promotion we wanted, we still win. And so for us, we get to model of what this looks like to a world that's so confused about it. God's never been confused about it. He wants to use his people to show what these rhythms look like, to show what love looks like, to show what forgiveness looks like, to show what work looks like, to show what rest looks like. God cares so much. He wants to alleviate us from the anxiety, the pressures to provide. Come on, guys know what this is about. Single moms know what this is about. Like the pressure to provide constantly. How do we provide? How do I get to the next level? And we play the comparison game. I got some friends that are super wealthy and I love it. And it's awesome for them. That's, they're being faithful to their path. And in ministry, that's not always the same path, right? Like, it doesn't just happen. I don't know one's wrote an article about City Life yet that we bought a yacht. Like, it didn't happen. It's not happening. It didn't happen anytime soon. It's just not even in our, in our day-to-day. And the enemy will come with just an enticing voice, so subtle, and say, well, look at what they're doing. And it's a lie. Because as long as we're both being faithful to our path, we're successful because our success is found on him. 
so hear this this morning. It's not beast mode, go, 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 which I love beast mode. Like, I love it. Love it. Hit the whole hard. Knock somebody over. Wake up early. Push through the, you know, the dust. Get out of the stinking thinking. You got to get up. We got to do something. I mean, it's hard. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it, okay? But we are not robots in a cog. We are not robots that can just work all the time. God wants us to be in relationship and to enjoy the gifts from him that we can stop and see and see the effects that our world, our work is making on the world. And our tendency is to not trust so we don't rest. And I pray that we would trust that the Lord will provide as he's always done for his people, that he will provide, that we wouldn't be deceived and think rest looks one way it's, it's going to be customized for each one of us. So the question comes down to like, do I have to rest? Are we still under that same pressure that, wow, am I in sin if I'm working seven days a week? Jesus starts to give us some clarity on this. And he says in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Matthew 12, 12, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus starts to elevate of even the purpose for the Sabbath. That God still cares about people on the Sabbath. God still wants to do life on the Sabbath. He's trying to provide rest for his people. So it isn't bondage for his people. And in fact, in Colossians 2, 16, it says this, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding to a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow Check this out. A shadow of things to come and the substance is Christ. Wow. Rest is now becoming more enticing. It's not a have to, it's I get to. It's I, I could actually still go help somebody even on my rest day as God compels me. But let us never start to think we don't have to rest because now we're finding ourselves in a pattern that God didn't do. So we're starting to be our own God and that's horrible. Romans 14, five says, one person esteems one day is better than another while another esteems all day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So there's a measure of conviction for each one of us that we have to see what rest looks like for each one of us. 24 hour period is a great way to start. And maybe you don't even know how you could start there. Maybe it's just six hours and maybe it's good rhythms throughout the week. Or maybe you're in a startup season with a business, like your rest is gonna look different. Or if you have, uh, you know, parents that have newborns, your rest is gonna look different. Okay, so God knows it's not some legalist thing that he's trying to impose. He's trying to give us freedom because he will provide. And there is a new season because rest, it looks different than the world thinks it does. Rest is inactivity, but it's also, you can be enjoying things that are life-giving. Maybe life-giving for you is crafts, shooting hoops, fishing, caution time. But it should ultimately be about remembering God. Remembering God. Remembering God. And I've read uh, several different angles of this as we've been studying it. It seems a lot of different pastors have different nuances of what this looks like. Some, they feel really convicted to have very, I mean, they like check off the grid, right? Kids aren't having sugar and they just feel that they're not part of the world for that day. And that is awesome. And then there's others that are like, no, like I'm going to go out and we're going to fish and we're going to have fun. And that's awesome. 
I think there's freedom there for both. And the question comes down to, what will rest look like even for us to enjoy, even as a church? Like, what does that look like? What does it look like for the early church? Like we're here on Sunday, right? Well, as Jesus rose from the dead and he was seen by many witnesses and the Holy Spirit came down, what happened was their perspective started to shift and it became the Lord's day. That's why we're here today. That we're celebrating a new power and a new life and a new covenant. So that our rest is even powerful. That on the Lord's day, we're about his model to a world that we want to celebrate, that we want to worship the one who set us free and we want to serve people too. So the Lord's day became this powerful movement of the church gathering, people gathering, and God's still providing rest for them. And there were still rhythms of rest, and they're still taking Sabbaths, but the Lord's Day was still powerful and engaged. We see that in the early church. So when we rest, here's what happens. We say, Jesus, you're my God. We trust you for increase. And rest calibrates us, it refuels us, it gives us answers. I've been struggling about things for like three days, thinking about a particular topic, and it could be 10 minutes with Jesus. Answer. I mean, it's sometimes as simple as looking for a parking spot. Jesus, where's the parking spot? Parking spot. I spent so much of my life not talking to him and allowing him into what he wants to do. We're going to end with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. reading out of the message. It says, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him. If Jesus comes here, you're, you're, come on, I'm excited about Jesus. Welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. So Jesus is in the room. And Mary's just, wow, he's talking. I want to hear him. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned me in the kitchen to do all the work to tell? Tell her to lend me a hand. Okay, this is like tattletale central. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. You guys, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, you guys. When we're working, it's Jesus. When we're resting, it's Jesus. And when we're doing everything, it's Jesus. And let us not miss the moments when it's Jesus. That we stop and say, Jesus, we need you. I remember there was a time my son was like, hey, Dad, come down here and hang out with me. And I was like, I got to send an email. I got to send an email. He's like, Dad, come on, let's go hang out. And I went upstairs in the room. I had to send this email. It was a long one. I had to get it out in time. And I send this email. And I come back downstairs, and he's sleeping. And I remember I was like, man, I missed it. Man, never again. No email if my son says, hey, like, dad, let's hang out. Like, forget the email. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. And just the other day, I was uh, driving, and I felt uh, tugged by, by the Holy Spirit to go home and just hang out with Jerome. I had so much to do this week, like, un, so much. And every time this week I went to dope work, all I was interrupted by was with the people. <laughs> God was trying to tell me something, right? He cares about people. He cares about the one. There's a kid shooting baskets at the park. I stop and I play. We play horse. And then I come home and I see my son. And Crystal's like, hey, Jerome was crying for you. He was crying for you. It was the Holy Spirit telling me to go home. And he was so happy when I showed up. Because the Lord can redeem. He redeemed that moment of me, you know, sending the email. And it's just a kiss from heaven. I was thinking about that this week. But I got to show up in that time. And I missed 
some emails this week, but who cares? So I don't know where you're at. Some of you, you need to turn up and work harder. Some of you really got to rest. But I know this, ultimately, throughout the pace of our weeks, we got to do both. We have to do both. We have to do both. Jesus gives us an eternal rest. And he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in the heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In many pieces of music, it's a pause or the rest that gives the piece its beauty and shape. And I know, as a writer, we'll often try to include a lot of empty space on the page so that the reader can complete my thoughts and sentences so that her imagination has room to breathe. Pico Liar. Beauty in the music, beauty in reading, beauty in life is the pause. And it's blessed and it's holy unto the Lord. So when we sing things like we're waiting upon the Lord, that's not song of defeat as a song of great strength, of great wealth, of inexhaustible source. All of the prophetic and all of the powerful and everything that has been of significant in my life has always came from times of prayer and times of being still before the Lord. Period. And God is doing something here at City Life and as we enter July, it's month seven, and we are going to be so intentional to try to get people closer together to rest, to spend time with each other, to build life-giving moments and not just have technology be the way of communication. We actually want to throw the football or the baseball with somebody or eat a burger with somebody. Like that, like with somebody, not just see them and like it. Like we want to see people together. So this month's going to be really exciting as we rest. I want to pray for us that we would rest well and Lori's going to come do offering and then we are going to sing, wait upon the Lord. And I pray that it is powerful for each one of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's alive. I thank you for people here that have came in this place that some, for the first time, they're considering you. I pray that they would not find religion. I pray that they would not find work, but they would find hope. They would find freedom. They would find someone that says, come to me. Give me your life and I will give you mine. They would not come and say, uh, make it like a contract or a negotiation, but they would say, Jesus, you're worth everything. You died for my life. That's the greatest work ever. And we rest in that finished work of you. God, intimately speak to each one of us of what our life looks like, what the rhythms look like, of what rest looks like, and how we can get little, just little moments and glimpses of heaven. Life will be hard. It's gonna throw us curveballs. But let, us, let it never rob the time that was only reserved for you. That you wanna spend time with your kids you want to hang out with them. So each person here, I pray that you'd hang out with them and they would let you in. And they would be a kid with their dad. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your rest. Thank you for your finished work. And thank you for your power and the freedom that you're Lord of everything, even Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of rest, Lord of work, Lord of us. We commit and we submit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. 
For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.